You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. They hate me. I hate them. I hate everybody. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. I could definitely see a little disappointment in the Gorney household Saturday night. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show. I am joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. Guys, it was a rough weekend for if you're a top 10 team in college football. We had four upsets, Clemson, uh, Auburn, Washington, and Washington State all going down. Mike, did you? Was there any way to see this coming? What did you think about this weekend? Well, I think it was one of those weekends where there weren't a lot, a lot of top twenty-five matchups, so you knew there would probably be some crazy upsets. Um, you know, I think the biggest takeaway here is the Pac-12 took it on the chin, um, almost. You know, especially with Utah looking like they were going to pull out that victory over USC, but USC came back and won. But with Washington and Washington State both losing, um, they dropped from the undefeateds and. Uh, I don't think that's good news for those two teams, for the Pac-12, for the Apple Cup, for whatever you want to talk about. Clemson, we saw them lose last year to Pitt uh, and recover and win the national championship. The ACC is not that strong. Auburn has a tougher road uh, because they're in the SEC West, and that was a tough loss for them, too. So the playoffs have started. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that cannot afford a loss. So it's it's, you know. Uh, losing your out or when to stay alive. So I think you can officially say as of this upcoming weekend, the playoffs have started. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just how those games played out. Um, Syracuse basically controlled the whole game against Clemson. Uh, Cal looked hardly like a team against Washington two weeks ago and then held Washington State's offense to three points. Uh, Arizona State really doesn't have much of a defense and they held Washington to seven points. So I think we're going to get into this later on with uh, the Pac-12 teams and if they're out. And, you know, I I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, as you watch college football, those are definitely the weaker teams uh, in the in the, in the the country. Um, but just how those games played out, and especially Auburn going up, I think, 17 nothing, and then, you know, not doing anything for about uh, three and a half quarters there and then, and then losing to LSU. But uh, there were no – I think this is the first time in seven years that there were no top 25 matchups this late into the season, and still it was one of the best weekends of the whole year. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, with the way these teams lost, obviously the Cal destruction of Washington State is a – that's a tougher loss than a three-point loss to Syracuse, although Syracuse isn't a good team. They'll likely be a bowl team. I think you have to look at how – these teams lost and, and how that's going to impact them down the line. But just last week, we thought the Big 12 was done, you know, when Oklahoma lost to Iowa State and, and Oklahoma State had previously lost earlier in the season and TCU was the only hope. Um, you know, a lot of people still think TCU is going to lose somewhere along the line. But now the Big 12 has to be very happy about the goings on out in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, TCU looks really strong. Um, as a playoff contender, Kenny Hill is playing extremely well. They've got a good balance, uh, fairly good balance of, of run pass, and, and he can move around. Uh, Kansas State was supposed to be a top 25 team this year, and they took care of them very easily. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because the USC team we saw, I, I don't think anybody feels confident that they're a playoff team. Um, you know, can one of these teams rebound? We'll get to that in a bit as a one loss in the Pac-12. But right now, Big 12 was the winner this past weekend. Um, you know, even with 
the the close the close game helped as well with Oklahoma and Texas. Um, you know, for that rivalry moving forward, and and the Pac-12 was a massive loser. And and speaking of losers, um, you know, we got hot seat talk. Uh, you know, Florida loses to A&M. First of all, what did you think of the jerseys, you guys? I didn't like. I did not like them. It looked like uh, they had jumped in puddles or something. The 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 pants were not well fitted, and the shirts I did not like. So I would pass on those swamp gator what jerseys about you? from now on. How about on. you, Dave? You loved them, didn't you? Uh, I uh, yeah, I like them. I think you guys are too old school. I like those. Yeah, guys. I like the helmets. I didn't like the jerseys, and I didn't like that. You know, they tried to. You know, some guys tried to shove some gator blue underneath. The, the swamp green and it just it looked odd but it doesn't matter because they lost and and you know I've been a Jim McElwain apologist at least when it comes to on-field winning not in recruiting I think he hasn't done a very good job he and his staff of recruiting even with that top 10 finish last year I thought they got a bunch of guys down the stretch that nobody else wanted or nobody else could fit into their class um, maybe not a bunch but like two or three that really boosted the ranking of their class but there's no defense for the offense, um, you know, and that's not a pun. It's just he's an offensive coach. I don't care how many guys you're missing. This offense is putrid. There's been no, you know, development on that side of the football. Now they're three and three, and, and they're going to be battling to get into a bowl game. So he is clearly on the hot seat. And the guy heading into that game that's supposed to be fired by this time of year was Sumlin, who is, you know, doing a really good job. And that's the interesting thing. Can can a guy who took his team to two straight SEC championship games be on the hot seat? And it it almost seems like yes, he can be because uh, uh, you know Alabama crushed them. Uh, they don't look competitive in the SEC East, where Georgia is clearly the best team. Uh, Tennessee's a mess, and and we can talk about that if we want to. But uh, you know, South Carolina looks better. Uh, even a Kentucky looks better, but Florida. I don't know if they get rid of him now. Um, you know, if he if he can beat Georgia, if he can close strong. I mean, Florida State's not exactly lighting the world on fire, but he's certainly a coach who could have built up a lot of goodwill and instead has really not done anything this year. And and the team looks really really bad. And and you know the the defense which they've relied on has just been okay, and the offense is just completely miserable. So. I think for a guy who's taken his team to Atlanta two years in a row, this would be ridiculous to consider. Um, but but it's definitely a consideration now because they just don't look like they're progressing at all. And it's because of the offense. Because if he were a defensive coach, you know, like like um, you know, Muschamp, people would be saying, "Oh well, you know, the defense is progressing, but man, they can't solve that offense." And you know, he'd go through coordinators like Muschamp did. But he's an offensive coach. He's a guy who's supposed to be able to fix this, and it's not fixed. And the reason the defense doesn't look that, that you know, they look good, but they don't look great is because they're on the field all the time. And, you know, I think it's a, a very good defense. I think they've they've uh, progressed, especially with the losses they had. Uh, they lost a lot of talented players to the NFL, uh, you know, over the last year. You know, I, I just think this is an offensive problem. Um they just don't have any playmakers, any guys that can really, you know, turn something into nothing and, and, and or nothing into something or whatever you want to say. And, and the quarterback play has been bad. So, you know, can a guy who's <clears throat> won two divisions be on the hot seat? Will he get fired this year? No. I mean, I, I don't think that's the case. But I will say if they don't make a bowl game 
he's going to be on notice. He'll have to make some changes to his staff, and then he'll have next year to right the ship, or he'll be gone. Um, you know, and and that's what we saw Sumlin, you know, on that seat heading into this season. And I think he's done a good job. I mean, they lost to UCLA. That was a joke. That was very very poor coaching, but they held in with Alabama, and they pull out games like this with a red with a true freshman quarterback. So. They both could be fired, uh, you know, by the end of the year. But I, I think McIlwain will survive, and then we'll see how Sumlin closes. You think Sumlin still has to close mm-hmm. well, or do you think he's yeah. secured his job? By- I think he has to close well because of the way he's finished the last few years. You know, they've always started off well and then just collapsed. If there's another collapse coming, I think, you know, people will be more than happy to send him out the door. Um, it's one of those weird things where you see the A&M fan base rooting for their team but not. You know, um, you see that with a lot of fan bases. You have to root for them because they're your team. I think Tennessee's in this mix right now as well. Uh, and we're going to get to Tennessee in hot garbage. But part of you wants them to lose so you can get that coach out of there and move on because you know you're going nowhere. Um, I think that's where A&M is right now. But they're not a bad-looking football team. I don't think they've beaten anybody really good. I think, honestly, the SEC looks like – hot garbage overall um, other than Alabama and Georgia. But, you know, uh, what's he five and two? That's not, yeah. that's not bad. I mean, if he was, if he was, if he was four and three or, or three and four right now, you know, would be on alert game to game. Like we are with Butch Jones waiting for that ax to come down. And I think, I think Butch doesn't get through this weekend. Um, he's not on the docket to talk about until we get the hot garbage, but, um, we could talk about Butch then, but let's talk about Mike Riley because that athletic director hire is a very interesting one. Yeah, that's that's going to be everything, and that's kind of the first step is when a new AD comes in, he wants to bring in his own people and kind of set the his own tone for how he wants the athletic department to run. And uh, I don't think anybody can sit here and defend the football football team or the program or the direction it's going in. Like like we've talked about, Mike, two home games, night games in Lincoln, and they get blown out in both of them. Um, I thought Ohio State could actually put even more points on them this past weekend. They did whatever they wanted to do. Wisconsin pretty much, after uh, you know starting slow, just kind of a freshman running back just tore through them and Jonathan Taylor. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Nebraska is a nice team in the Big Ten in the Big Ten West, but are they a you know, are they com- are they competition for Wisconsin or two or three other teams in that division? Not really. They're just a, an average middling team in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, they can't beat any good Big Ten team, and that's a problem. Um, so let's start the Mike Leach to Nebraska rumors. Um, you know, that'd be fun. It's never in a million years going to happen, but obviously this guy coming from Washington State, he's the only one who took a chance on Leach, and, but it, it's never going to happen. But still, it, it is fun to sort of – think about what he would do there and uh that the media throng and that fan base they thought they were losing their mind with Bo Pelini imagine if Mike Leach was their head coach uh they just wouldn't know what to do with themselves but it would be probably one of the more fun things to happen um but I think you know there's a guy at UCF who's a pretty good coach uh that maybe they got their eye on so I think the new AD will be under pressure to possibly make a move if they continue to lose the way they're losing. Um, if they don't make a bowl, 
I think certainly he has every excuse and right to to get rid of Riley and go after that guy at UCF who was a pretty good football player up there at Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's no doubt that there's connections there. He's a, Scott Frost is a con- phenomenal coach. He's not going to be at UCF long, um, but it will be interesting. Does he want to go back there and, and face that problem, which is essentially beating Wisconsin, beating Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State to win Big Ten titles, and that's the expectation there. Or does he take an SEC job, Tennessee, Arkansas, maybe Texas A&M? Uh, there's going to be a lot of jobs open, uh, maybe Florida. There are going to be a lot of jobs open in the next year or two where he's going to be a top candidate. And going back to Nebraska, which is uh, difficult to recruit to, he doesn't have a recruiting base, he's got to go national to recruit. That Those are going to be problems that he's going to have. Plus, he's going into a conference where you know maybe two or three of the best teams in the country are playing in it. Didn't you know James Franklin's going to Texas A&M? <laughs> yeah sure See, the job of a sports agent is especially who represents a a college football coach has to be one of the easiest jobs on earth because all you have to do is find some moronic national reporter drop a rumor like that into his lap let him run with it have it go viral it, it, what and you get a raise like a, two months after he got a massive contract right um and then just that's a delicate balance, though, because Jimbo Fisher's tried that game, and now they want him out after one bad season. Yeah, but he made some money. I mean, good gosh, yeah. he played that card very, very well. Um, I know a certain head coach who's no longer in college football, but will be back soon. Who, you know, was was a master at, at doing it, and you know, tried to use a fool like me to get it done. And I was just like, listen, nobody listens to me at all. So it doesn't even matter what rumor I put out there, but it was a clear attempt at getting his name in the mix for certain jobs so that he could get a raise. And it's just funny to, to see how this happens every year. And then you got plausible deniability on both sides. It's great. You know, James Franklin can say, I don't know how these things happen. It's crazy, stupid. I'm Penn State for life. And then Texas A&M will say, someone's our guy. He's our guy. We love him. We're five and two football. We're focused on the next weekend, <clears throat> but it gets out there, and then the the I guess the dummies in charge <clears throat> at 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 whatever school is being played get nervous, <clears throat> and then they get everybody together and say, "Oh man, after we have to say, yeah, we have to say this, we have to say that," and that's why you get these ridiculous buyouts. You know, I mean, it's just some of these buyouts are just amazing. Um, and the coaches that have some of the biggest buyouts are guys that you just scratch your head and say, how on earth did he ever get that negotiated? Because he's got a great agent and the guys with a smaller buyout, you know, I mean, look at Ed Orgeron, look at his buyout. Who, 12 million. I mean, yeah. I don't know who his agent is. I don't follow all that stuff. I don't talk to agents or anything, but whoever his agent is, is, is a genius, just an utter genius. Um, and Mike Riley's buyout is very small, I believe. I think it's two million or something like that. So, um, you know, that's really all it's about right now is buyout. So, when you're looking for your next contract at Rivals, Gorney, go for the big buyout and start rumors that you know you're going to make a strong push for you someplace else and uh, get an agent that that drops those rumors around there. That's my advice to you. <laughs> 
I wonder if I'd have the backing of the company. I, they'd have to issue a press release. I'll get you to issue one for me, Mike. Yeah, I could do that. I could just make one up. I'll put it out on Twitter, <laughs> and then we'll yeah. instant amazing buy it. I think we already talked about the Pac-12 going to be shut out a bit. Um, let's talk about your boy Sam Darnold some more, and your boy Josh Rosen. You notice how every West Coast quarterback, and your boy Luke Falk, and and your boy Jake Browning. I mean, these are just all garbage West Coast quarterbacks. Explain yourself. Yeah. Well, if you think Josh Rosen's a garbage West Coast quarterback. I'm kidding. But he had three picks against a pretty bad. He did. And we could put that in hot garbage, too, because he did not have a good night. And I kind of want to talk about UCLA a little bit. But yes, and I think here's the problem. The quarterback class was so built up. It was it was talked about that even Mike Farrell said that he thinks four or five quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. And all this stuff, and we're we're looking maybe at two now. I no. think maybe three. I'm gonna tell you maybe why. Three. I'm gonna tell you why it's still gonna be a lot. Because Kevin Hogan just started a football game in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Because NFL teams have terrible quarterbacks. I mean, you, you look around the league, and Josh McCown is a starting quarterback in the league, and, and Brett Hundley is the but, backup and and the savior of the Green yeah. Bay Packers. So I mean, Packers. the quarterback play is just so awful that everybody will be reaching for one. Now we know, obviously. Chicago won't reach for one, and Kansas City won't reach for one, and and uh, Houston was the smart one and got the right guy, as we said all along last year, over and over and over again. But there will be guys reached for now. I think Falk really hurt his status. Um, not that he was a instant first rounder, but we talked about last year how you know this is where the Baker Mayfield situation comes into play. This is where. Yeah. A guy like this is going to continue to creep up the list as he continues to play well. And some of these guys who look better, maybe throw the ball further, have a little better arm, are going to drop a bit. Rosen won't. I still am surprised. I mean, come on. That's a garbage defense that he played badly against. Um, Darnold looked like two different quarterbacks, but he's done that all year long. Uh there's no really excuse whatsoever for uh, Browning. I mean, what? Arizona State. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know. And he and he's a kid who, um, you know, th- does he reek of being an NFL quarterback when there's pressure in his face? He, again, when Alabama pressured him, he kind of withered away and, you know, we'll see with Jake Browning. He could return for one more season, I think, and then we'll kind of figure it out. But I don't think he's in the class of even a, a, especially a Rosen, who's should be the first quarterback taken, or even a Darnold, who, whether it's him or whether it's his receivers or whether it's a combination of both, I don't know. Mel Kuyper, I saw this weekend, still has him number one, number one overall on his big board. So I don't know if that is an update issue or if he's just confident that Sam Darnold is just that special of a quarterback. But I just don't see it being that. Well, high. they have them. They have Josh Allen still in the first round and, and all this other yeah. stuff. And and everybody's hating on Mason Rudolph, who's another guy that I think, you know, oh his his long ball floats and he's too many fifty fifty balls. Uh, he just keeps putting up numbers. I know he's from a spread offense, but you know he had a. a, a very average game against TCU, but he keeps putting up numbers. He's a big quarterback. His arm strength to me is adequate. 
Mayfield continues to complete passes downfield. <clears throat> These guys are willing to throw the football more than 15 yards, and I think that's the key. These aren't your typical spread quarterbacks that just dink and dunk. I think Baker Mayfield threw six passes against Texas 15 yards or more and completed all of them. Um, you know, and Oklahoma State throws the ball deep every other play. So these are guys that are going to rise on the list here as these West Coast Pac-12 guys sputter and fail, thanks to Adam Gorney. <laughs> we didn't talk about. We'll see about. We that. didn't talk really about um, the upsets enough. I mean, Clemson. So so let's talk about the one last teams finding their way back. Uh, uh, you know, Clemson. I think can do it. That's my pick. Uh, the one loss team that can find their way back because the ACC is so bad. Who who's yours? Yeah, yeah, the ACC is so bad. We'll see. I think that it, I think it's going to be an interesting game, November fourth, NC State Clemson. That's kind of a, a an elimination game there. Um, uh, you know, but then you look at the Pac twelve. Are you going to not take a one loss Washington team over a one loss Oklahoma or one loss Oklahoma State? Probably. Um, do you take a one loss USC team? Do you keep USC out of the, out of the playoff? Um, we'll see. I, we've talked about Ohio state climbing up the ranks. I think Penn state's going to have a tough time going there and playing them. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but, but I think Clemson, if they went out, they're in. So that loss doesn't kill them. It will be interesting to see if the PAC 12 championship is Washington USC. If they take that winner, uh, because it's kind of shaping up, if I'm if I'm correct here, that it would be you're going to have to choose a one loss uh, Big Twelve team, and it's probably going to be Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. If if TCU goes undefeated, then that, that's fine. That's that's figured out. But um, would you take a one loss Big Twelve team or a one loss Pac twelve team? And honestly, right now, I would take the Big Twelve team. Well, I think to take Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma State would get screwed. We all know this is about you know big name programs yeah. and big name players and all that other stuff. And, you know, Mayfield could still win the Heisman and Oklahoma is a, a blue blood and Oklahoma state, you know, would probably get screwed over if it came down to those two programs, um, you know, which isn't right, but we've seen it before in the big 12 and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess the only thing I worry about with Clemson is the quarterback play. Obviously it's not very good. Um, I, I do like the defense. That's a tough team to play against at Syracuse because they run so many plays so quickly. <clears throat> and uh, there's not a ton of depth uh, along the defensive line for Clemson. They have great players, but they don't have eight deep like Auburn. Um, you know, and, and Auburn obviously now has two losses. So that 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 loss really, really hurt because – it looked like they You're were being a Clemson apologist, though. You're the, the, that Syracuse team is tough in the dome on a Friday. Give me a break. Hey. They, they went up. They went up there thinking they were going to blow them out. Dabo's laughing it up with Dino Babers before the game. The defense comes out and looks like they're asleep, and then they're down and they can't they can't claw their way mm. back because their offense really isn't that phenomenal. No, it's not. But I also think that that's a tough. If you do fall behind, it's a tough offense to play against because once they get a little confidence, Dundee you got a little confidence. They will wear you down. I mean, the, the, the seconds between snaps is ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many plays they ran. Their goal is to run 100. I think they've run over 90 twice this year. And when they get you on your heels, now they're a 4-3 and three team. I mean, they've lost to some bad football teams. Um, 
you know, but Clemson always seems to, you know, play down uh, to. Yeah, like Pitt. Well, at NC State last year, too, and they should have lost on that field goal. Um, And that was not the NC State team we see this year. So, you know, but the the difference, the the reason why I'm worried a little bit about Clemson is because they don't have Deshaun Watson. And that's the reason why I didn't pick them as one of the top teams in the country this year, because he was the difference maker for them in close games and he could pull things out. I don't think they have that guy under center this year. Uh, In the future, they do. You know, they've got some talented guys coming in there, but. But I don't know another one-loss team. I mean, I don't think you're going to see – I mean, USC is going to lose again. And uh, I think Washington and Washington State are going to lose again. Um, not that the Pac-12 is good. These teams just don't – they don't impress me that much. And I know we were talking about how impressive Washington State was offensively and defensively and the balance and all that stuff. But they're not an elite team. They don't have elite football players that can pull out games when everything's not going right. Yeah, no, when I watched TCU, I watched him against Kansas State, and Ertz was out, so we'll we'll factor that in. But that defense runs around, makes plays, and the offense is controlled, moving up and down the field, scoring when they kind of when they want to, and they have a lot of weapons. Obviously, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are very good teams. I still think Oklahoma State uh, is one of the top teams in the country. That offense will just not be stopped, and that's a reflection on how good TCU's defense is to go into Stillwater and shut them out like that. But I, I think those three teams, um, that the Big 12 top three teams are better than than the Pac-12 top three teams if, if you're going Washington, Washington State, and USC. How does Auburn lose that game? I don't know. I, the, because Ed Orgeron is the coach of the year in the SEC. <laughs> it's amazing because the, 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 the halftime defensive adjustments were there. You know, and yeah. Auburn was doing whatever they wanted to in the first half. And then in the second half, they couldn't figure out anything. And it was even to the point where LSU was just trying desperately to get anything going with that jet sweep of theirs. And, you know, they had to score on a fourth down. I think it was a jet sweep on fourth down just to get on the board. And then everything fell apart. And all of a sudden, Jarrett Stidham looked like the guy we saw who was a statue against Clemson. and on Johnson was – you could stop him, and the offensive line wasn't dominating anymore. And it's just like, how does that team fall apart like that? And I guess that's the frustration of Auburn fans with Gus Malzahn. You know, the defense really isn't the problem. They're aggressive and talented. The offense can just look great and then suddenly stop. And yeah, and, and, that, and it was 20 to nothing in early in the second quarter is 20 to nothing. You have Auburn's defense out there. You just put one more score on the board or you, you know, throughout three quarters and and that game is over. And, um, you know, that that is the frustration that there was 17 nothing. They're talking about Chip Lindsey being in Dave Aranda's head and they can't be stopped and they're moving up and down the field and, you know, they're blowing up Arden Key on the defensive line. They moved Arden Key to defensive tackle to try to stop the run up the middle with Carrion Johnson. And then it just all stopped, and it seemed like Auburn was just trying to run the clock out, and they got caught doing it. This is why Gus continues to be mentioned here and there for hot seat talk as well, because he's an offensive genius, so to speak. And then when they have you know games like that or, or a game like Clemson or last year where he couldn't pick a quarterback, I think it was against Clemson as well, yeah. People get extra critical, you know, um, 
I guess if you're a defensive coach and your defense stinks and you're giving up 40 points a game, you're going to get more scrutiny. And if you're an offensive coach and you have no real, I mean, you have no adjustment. They didn't adjust against Clemson when they were getting smoked. Uh, they didn't start throwing shorter passes. They didn't put their quarterback in better situations. They had no answer at all for LSU uh, in the second half as well. And that falls on the coaching. So I, I get, I guess I get why Auburn fans are frustrated and LSU is in one of those situations too. It's too early for them to be really in the, down the rabbit hole, like Tennessee fans and maybe A&M fans where they just, they're rooting for their team to win because it's just instinctual, but they really want their team to lose so they can get rid of this coach. Um, they're five and two, two and one, in the SEC. Nobody thinks they're a good football team. I don't, they beat Florida. Florida's hot garbage. Auburn just let them take that game. And the thing that I'll never understand, and maybe I'm just not smart enough and coaches are so much smarter, is when, when you're playing, you, you have a great defense, you're playing a terrible offense, and you punt the ball to a guy who can run it back 75 yards for a touchdown. Punt the ball out of bounds, make the team drive 80 yards and score on you. Why you're giving them opportunities and special teams, I'll never understand it. And that was uh, one of LSU's two touchdowns on Saturday. I think you underestimate how awful kicking is in college football. Even if <laughs> yeah, you probably. tell a punter and you ask him to directionally kick, half the time they don't even know where the ball is going. Half the time. Yeah. And, and they practice kicking all the time. If you've ever been to a college practice, it's the most boring thing on earth. Just like a high school Yeah, it's all practice. they do. It's all yeah. they do is punt. And, but then you'll go out for warm-ups and you'll see – you know, they're trying to, you know, they're working on the, the coffin corner kicks and all this other stuff. And and you have to have your head on a swivel because even if you're 15 yards to the sideline, you could get hit in the head with a ball because they have no idea where it's going. No idea. Yeah. So, you know, directional punting in the NFL, that, that can work. Directional punting in college football, we don't know. He might have said, don't kick to that guy. And he just kicked right to him. Um just like the field goal kicking is just atrocious. That's why I'm not yeah, never been a big fan of kickers and punters, just because it's so frustrating to watch how bad it is. So let's get to our award-winning segment now of hot garbage, Dave Barry. Ooh, that's some hot garbage. There it is. That was nice. You were right on that. That was good. We didn't get that last week as Dave wasn't here. So we, we had, yeah. yeah, I apologize. That's all right. You can drop that after every team we talk about. So, again, there's a couple teams on here. And I, I let Gorney do the hot garbage teams. I think it was Gorney. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, blame me for this. Well, one. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out on a couple of them and a couple that are missing. But let's start with Tennessee. That's low hanging fruit. That's easy hot garbage. There, Tennessee is just bad. What What really struck me though was the offensive play calling at the end of the game with a mobile quarterback. Um, yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, some sort of bootleg misdirection where the defense is overly uh, aggressively pursuing um, and the guy can just walk into the end zone? I thought it was the perfect setup for a bootleg or at least yeah. get him out in space. but. Get, we know Jared Guarantano. Get him out in space. Let him create a little bit. You know, roll the line one way with a fake handoff. Throw it to the tight end. Move the ball that way. But the play calling down the stretch was really, really bad. And it seemed kind of discombobulated. They didn't know what they were getting into and out of and stuff like that. And come on. I mean, 
They are they are hot garbage. Yeah, very hot. Garbage. You could hit it, Dave. Ooh, that's some hot garbage. And what's interesting is you put Michigan on here. We'll skip to Michigan. We will talk about Ellis. I mean, uh, Louis, uh, Louisiana, Louisville, uh, in a second. Um, but Michigan, I don't, I don't think they're hot garbage. Their offense is hot garbage. Their offensive line is hot garbage. But what's funny about that is the end of the Tennessee game. You've got a South Carolina defensive line that's not overly physical, not loaded with talent, and you don't get your quarterback out in space. And then Michigan, Indiana decides to get their quarterback and roll them out twice in overtime when you're going against these just animals on defense. Um, And it just wasn't going to work. So, I mean, Michigan got lucky that the play calling was bad. They got lucky that Karan Higdon – found space where there wasn't any space a couple times. Um, the defense is solid, but I guess hot garbage, you're talking about O'Corn and the offense. Yeah, it's probably unfair to have them on hot garbage or five and one. What I'm looking at is the offense is, is just bad. I mean, Indiana loses to Ohio State 49-21. That's 28 points, and Penn State beats them by 31 easy wins, blowouts. I mean, Indiana played Ohio State for a little while, and then Ohio State pulled away. Penn State just completely annihilated them. Um, and if if we're talking about Michigan as a national title contender, that's not a national title contender on the field on Saturday. They they had to go to overtime against Indiana. They can't pull away from anybody. Their defense <clears throat> is is so good um, that it's even masking how bad the offense is. It's it's almost like the play calling isn't there. They they have skill players down the field, and I just don't know why they're not throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones more, Dylan Crawford more. They have guys that they can get the ball to, but they decide to just run fullback runs, Karan Higdon up the middle, Karan Higdon up the middle, Karan Higdon up the middle, and then they punt, and then the defense holds, and then they get the ball back and do the same thing, and it's almost like Jim Harbaugh wants to win games 3 nothing instead of going to his skill players a little bit and giving them some opportunities. Yeah, and he doesn't have the quarterback to do that, I don't think. Um, It's hard to say that somebody is worse than Wilton Spate, but I think we found him, and he's their backup quarterback. But they're not hot garbage, because just because they're not a playoff contender doesn't make them hot garbage. So I take take you to task. We will not do a hot garbage drop for Michigan. Uh, Now, Texas Tech, I'm not going to give you hot garbage there either. And you know how popular we are uh, on the Texas Tech board. From the, the Jack Anderson ranking and uh, my constant criticism of Patrick Mahomes as a system quarterback last year, they hate us. They hate me a lot. They don't like you going to either. But they're yeah, they're, they're, they're lukewarm not, on me. Yeah, they're not. Well, yeah, but they're not hot garbage. I mean, they were well, top twenty five. They're on hot garbage. They're on hot garbage for one reason. What's that? Because they they closed that game. By giving up 29 unanswered points. And Texas Tech should be able to score on anybody. And their defense should have been better down the stretch. But that game was 35-17 midway through the third quarter. West Virginia fans were headed to the headed to the postgame tailgate. And then Texas Tech gave up. They gave up. So this is funny because one of the many Texas Tech people that hate me decided to tweet at me when I was complimenting Will Greer for his day. And Will Greer's, um, man, his release is weird. He kind of pushes the ball. His arm strength isn't great. 
but he puts up numbers. He's leading the nation, I think, in touchdown passes now. There's something like very close to that. But I said, you know, Texas Tech defense isn't very good at all. And somebody said, Texas Tech defense is good. Why don't you watch the games instead of using last year's narrative? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just watched them and they can't cover or tackle. Other than that, they're a pretty good defense. But <laughs> but they're not hot garbage because they've won more games than we expected them to at this stage. They were just in the top 25. Kingsbury's seat is not quite as hot as it was. You're you're just saying Michigan's offense is hot garbage and Texas Tech's defense is hot garbage. I I don't even think Texas Tech's defense is hot garbage. Just the way they finished that game. When you have 513 total yards, you should not lose by double digits. And they did. And the defense down the stretch was was miserable. Everyone knows they're going to David Sills. Everyone knows they're going to Karan Wright White. And that's what they did. And Texas Tech had no answers for them. And Texas Tech's offense not being able to even move the ball after that final touchdown midway through the third quarter. That's hot garbage. And UCLA's hot garbage. Um, we, oh, absolutely. We know that. I mean, their defense is horrible. How about Khalil Tate? I mean, I know he was dynamic in high school. Uh, we saw him many, many times. His accuracy was not his strength. Right. But did you see, you know, the potential that back-to-back 200-yard rushing games, did you see the potential to be compared to Michael Vick by some people? Did you see that potential? Well, what I liked about Khalil Tate in high school is, and basically he's playing exactly, you know, a lot of the players on UCLA right now and on USC. And, and what he would do is just pull runs out of somewhere, and I'm not going to say where, but it was just amazing how fast he was in the open field, his vision down the field. The things that we saw against UCLA, and the, and the reason why I have UCLA as hot garbage is Jim Mora saw it in person. He recruited him. He knows exactly what Khalil Tate can do. Make him throw the ball, and he's he's marginalized. You know, he cannot throw the ball down the field. His accuracy has been a, has been an issue since he's been in high school and a question mark, and a lot of reasons why a lot of schools were recruiting him kind of as an athlete or a tight end or a, as a receiver where he's played is because he's an incredibly dynamic and athletic kid um, who just has struggled throwing the ball accurately. UCLA should have known that. I'm sure they had to have known it, and they just don't have the athletes to keep up with them. Um, you know, much like they, you know, a lot of teams struggled and recruited UCLA players in high school. So, no, I don't. I don't think. I think the Michael Vick comparisons are far premature and, and way too early. But the kid can run. He's incredibly athletic, tough to bring down, and he's a guy who it look it looks like things are closing in on him, and then he breaks free and runs for more yards. And UCLA has athletes on defense. They just don't have guys who care. They don't have guys that take proper angles. They don't get, have guys that pay attention to proper technique. Um, and I just pictured the, the film room at UCLA when they're looking at last week's performance by Tate, and I just see a bunch of guys sleeping. That's how I picture it. Um, because it was right there in front of you how to stop him. And I think everybody just snoozed through the tape and said, this is Arizona. It's not like we're going to destroy them because UCLA can't destroy anybody, but we'll be fine. It was this kid. We played him in high school. He's, he's okay. And that's the problem with UCLA is that they just don't care. And it's sad. So they are hot garbage again. Louisville's hot garbage because they gave up 45 points to arguably the worst offense in college football. 
in Boston College. And A.J. Dillon, the superstar freshman running back, former Michigan commitment, just absolutely tossed Leonard Fournette style. I don't know who that was, but that was the highlight of the weekend for me watching that. I know I know uh, Kelly's stiff arm for Tennessee got more attention because the SEC gets more attention. But if, if anybody hasn't seen A.J. Dillon from Boston College just toss that guy from Louisville, it's really quite funny. He ran for 270-plus yards. They couldn't stop him. It's back to old Steve Adazio football when they had Andre Williams rushing for 2,000 yards. It's essentially six offensive linemen, line it up and run every play. If you can't stop that, you're hot garbage, and Louisville is hot garbage. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch much of that game. I had skipped the uh, the thrilling BC BC game, but uh, I cannot believe that they, <laughs> that they scored forty five points on Louisville. That is that is the hot garbage of the week. Other than uh, UCLA allowing Khalil Tate to run for fifteen yards every time he touched the ball, and the fact they didn't. Ooh, that's some hot well, garbage. On that. The fact that they didn't score seventy against Boston College because last year I actually watched the Louisville Boston College game. Uh, it was at BC and Lamar Jackson. Um, I actually, I went to the game cause I'm a local I'm, I'm here in Connecticut and I brought a friend of mine and you go for the clam chowder. Don't well, you? I love the clam chowder. The clam chowder is uh legal seafood. Clam chowder is the greatest thing on earth. And I eat like my weight in clam chowder, but I brought a, a buddy of mine and I said, you got to see this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you to see the Heisman trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. You know, um, I had seen Michael Vick up there and I wanted to see him in person, compare the two. I'd seen Lamar in high school, of course, but and he he it was such a joke last year. I forget the final score, but he did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, without anybody even touching him. So I'm like, that wasn't even fun to watch. My buddy was like, why did I even watch that? That was like Lamar Jackson (laughs) going against a bunch of peewee football kids up the road. It was awful. So this year, the fact that he didn't score—I mean, he scored five touchdowns, I think, or six touchdowns. Yeah, they they had six hundred and twenty-five yards and lost to BC. <laughs> and the fact that they didn't score seventy or eighty points is just hilarious. And their their defense is so bad. I'm going to put another team on hot garbage, though, and that's that's Florida. Um, you have these great, amazing uniforms. Uh, you're out there, and you let Texas A&M come in with a true freshman quarterback and beat you. You dropped a three and three. You're garbage football. Your team is garbage. Your offense is garbage. I don't know what the solution is. What's the solution, Gorney? Well, I mean, half their team is, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if the word is suspended or sidelined for felony. You know, they have felony charges fe- pending. So felony charges pending. So I think that plays into it. Um, you know, that, that's that's part of it. Uh, they, they can't throw the ball. Uh, Felipe Franks had two interceptions, was sacked five times. Uh, they don't have any skill players that can really stretch the field now that Tyree Cleveland is out. Uh, they can sort of run the ball a little bit here and there, but uh, they're hot garbage for for numerous reasons. One, uh, you know, half their team is in in the courthouse. Uh, some guys are injured, and even with all those guys back, it wasn't like they were lighting up the scoreboard with those guys. So, hot garbage for sure. And then let's talk last before we get out of here about the Oklahoma Texas game because we haven't really talked about it much. You know, obviously it impacts the playoff because Oklahoma is very much in the mix. Texas is three and three now. 
when it when it was seventeen nothing, I thought this could get out of hand. Um, Texas showed a lot of heart. Their defense is improving, you know, quite a bit. Uh, their front seven impresses me. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger is still in over his head a bit um, when it comes to throwing the football, but man, he's a he's a spunky kid who can run and. I thought that game was going to get ugly, and it turned out to be a five-point game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, and, and you've said this before, and it, it was even more evident this past weekend that Sam Ellinger is kind of like a like a young Baker Mayfield. Um, he's got that spark to him. I think his teammates really love him. Uh, you know, they're down 20 to nothing, and he puts together a quick drive for a, for a score to get it to 20 to 7. It was 20 to 10 at half. And then, and it was a ball game again. So I like Texas. They don't have the skill to compete with Oklahoma right now. They don't have the skill to compete with, I don't think, Oklahoma State right now. Um, but Tom Herman is a fantastic coach, gets his players to play super, super hard. They play with a lot of pride, which, you know, they could have folded. LSU could have folded. But, you know, uh, they play with a lot of pride and a lot of heart. And they're going to get the players there. They have a great recruiting class coming in. I don't think. You know, I, I think Tom Herman's one of the best coaches in the country for a lot of reasons, but but to to have players believe in themselves and to not fold like that was was impressive to see. And I think in years to come, Texas will be just fine. They'll be back competing for Big Twelve championships. Yeah, it was good to see. I guess a close game because it could have got ugly. And uh, obviously, yeah. the better team won. Uh, the better football team on both sides. Uh, Oklahoma's defense looked completely different than the team that had given up like 400 plus yards, I think passing in the last two games. And uh, they, 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 they got up to the challenge there. So they're keeping alive the big 12's chances along with Oklahoma state and TCU, but Texas, you know, a year from now, we'll see. It'll be very interesting because they've got a lot of young talent and a lot of talent on that football team overall. So I guess we'll get out of here on a positive note rather than the hot garbage note. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up. We will be back later in the week to make some picks for this upcoming weekend, so look for that. Uh, also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out uh, on Twitter, at RealDaveBerry, at Adam Gorney, and at RivalsMike. So we will see you guys again later in the week. <laughs>